What's up, fans? This is your man, Cam. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Cleavon. How you doing, young Sam? Oh, you doing all right, Cam. How are you this evening? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well amidst this uh, pandemic that's in, infested the United States, sir. We're going to get into that in a minute here. But it, fans, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another fantastic week of Voice of the Fans. It is March 11th. This is week 79 of the Voice of Fans show. Today we have a special guest going to join us, Fox Sports radio host, Chris Broussard, one half of the odd couple, FS1 basketball NBA analyst, Chris Broussard, joining us here. It's going to be exciting. We're going to touch on a lot of topics, uh, specifically this coronavirus and how this has impacted the NBA, and then some general NBA topics, most most importantly about this rivalry between L.A., the Lakers, and the Clippers, the cross-town rivalry that we have going on here. We're also going to talk about some NFL stories, Mr. Cleavon, and then give you this week in history. As always, Rise Radio fans listening to us, on internet radio every Saturday being pumped out of Las Vegas. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you to anyone listening to a, to us, however you're listening to us, on the various podcast platforms that you hear us on. Thank you guys for tuning in, and let's get started. Mr. Cleveland, with it being March 11th, when you think of the number 11, who do you think of first, or who wore it best? So the person I think of first and the person that wore it best is a point guard for the Detroit Pistons that goes by the name of Isaiah Thomas. Real Isaiah Thomas, huh? Yeah, he wore pretty damn well. Two-time NBA champion, back-to-back champion, by the way. But I can't – when I think of number 11, that left shrimp comes to my mind first. Have you snuck into the gym down there in Mott Lake when it was Heck Edmondson Pavilion? My group of guys, we try to challenge the then Washington Huskies Detlef Shrimp, and he dunked on us about five or six different times, man. And uh, that's all I can – when I think of number 11, I think of Detlef Shrimp, all I can remember is him tomahawk dunking over me. And uh, he pierced my soul a few times, and – I can't get that image out of my head. So that left shrimp comes comes to my mind, and I actually got a chance to tell him about that. It was pretty funny. But that left shrimp, I thought you were going to give me an Edgar Martinez. You know, Edgar definitely, definitely wears the number 11 well. You know, uh, congratulations on getting in the Hall of Fame. You know, the hit machine for at least uh, seven straight seasons, you know. I could even go as far as to say, you know, my guy Marcus Tuiasopo. Uh, I, I, I watched him have a 300-yard, 300-yard yard passing, 200-yard rushing game. It was amazing. Stop wow. It. Stop it. There's a few guys we can get to before Tuiasopo, but I hear you. How about the number 79? With it being week 79, we always want to use these numbers and what do you think of – who do you think of when you think of number 79? I think of Mr. Jeff Bryant. 
the longtime Seattle Seahawks, who would probably be up a lot higher in the sack, sack rating in the NFL history if they recorded sacks the first three years of his career. But who do you think of when you think of number 79? Are you here number 79? You know, I, I honestly, the only person I really think of is Harvey Martin of the Dallas Cowboys. I just remember the Martin just, you know, going across his back when I was a kid and just, you know, he was a beast at the time. Yeah, he was also a beast for the Oakland Raiders as well. So, Cleveland, we, as I mentioned, we did, I pre-recorded an interview I did with Chris Broussard yesterday. This interview was done early in the day before the NBA decided to suspend their season. So we don't really touch on that, but we do touch on some of the impacts that the coronavirus has had on the league to this point. Mr. Chris Broussard. Hey, man, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for making time for me, sir. How how do you think that's going to impact the relationship with the players and the media, the coronavirus? Well, you know, now they just announced that the Warriors are going to play their game Thursday with no fans. So, yeah, it's uh, it's having a huge impact. And I, I think my assumption is that that's ultimately going to spread throughout the league because, uh, you know, these things are trickling out and it, it, it's changing and getting more and more dire and grave by the hour. So, um you know, as far as the relationship between the players and the, the media, obviously media access as far as that game has been cut off. Uh, reporters will still be able to talk to, you know, players on the phones, and, and obviously you'll have them at press conferences or mixed zones, whatever you want to call it. Um, you just, you know, so – but everybody, I think everybody would understand – that this is a different situation. This is an emergency. So I, for one, am fine with the regulations that they put in place. But once everything is okay and back to normal, if you will, um, then I expect, you know, them to restore the traditional access that the media has always had because one of the critical uh, parts of a democracy and I know this is sports, but it's still true, is a free press and a free media that has access to public figures. So uh, I think we shouldn't unnecessarily keep the media away from the players. Um, so once it is okay to have media around players, it should be restored. The access should be restored pronto. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think it's going to have a um... – and adverse impact here immediately. But like you say, this is an emergency situation, so you kind of got to roll with the um, adjust accordingly and then kind of move move promptly. I, I agree with you on that respect. Have you seen anything in your in your sports industry or your sports career that is like this? Similarly, um, I was going to ask you about the Kobe situation. Have you seen anything in your sports career that kind of – borderlines the two the two situations, although they're different, but there's still monumental impacts on the sports uh, landscape. No, um, I, I said it at the time, Kobe, the Kobe tragedy 
Uh, that was the most tragic thing I've ever experienced in my lifetime uh, in sports. Obviously, there were many other tragedies. Roberto Clemente, Dale Earnhardt, um, Thurman Munson, Lynn Bias, yeah. Magic Johnson, who thankfully didn't die, but, you know, coming down with HIV, HIV um, and even a few others. But for me personally, and I just think the sports world as a whole, I, I would even argue overall, everybody's death, of course, is tragic. But Kobe Bryant, I don't know. I mean, the figures I'll mention, I think the only one who would have been as big as Kobe Bryant was Magic Johnson. And, again, thankfully he didn't. he's still with us. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything as tragic as, you know, and, and as big as the Kobe death. Um, and then for, uh, you know, this coronavirus, no, I've I, I never experienced anything like this in my lifetime. And, yeah. I, and, I mean, this is the first pandemic. You know, we've had SARS and Ebola and things like that, but nothing that has hit us like this. Yeah. Where, let's face it, I mean, you look at Italy, you wonder, is that going to hit many nations? And yeah. so uh, we may only be starting uh, the process of, of at least for, for a while, of our, our society as we know it being changed. Yeah, let's 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 hope it doesn't get too bad. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty impactful um, just in a few months and weeks that we're enduring this. Um, right. So let's let's get back to the world of sports, man. Um, we had the big game on Sunday. Lakers had a tremendous weekend, obviously. Uh, last night, um, in regards to last night, they had a tremendous weekend with what they did. I want to ask you about the Lakers and the Clippers. It is a cross town rival, if you will. But how big is this rivalry, Chris, if a rivalry at all? Well, it's a it's a current rivalry. Obviously, it's not a historic rivalry. Um, but for now, it is a it is as heated a rivalry as we have in the league. It's the most heated rivalry we have in the league. Let's face it. I know it doesn't okay. have any any history whatsoever. Boston and L.A. is the biggest rivalry in NBA history. You can't tell me that when the Celtics and the Lakers play this year that it's as big as Clippers-Lakers. Um, Golden State-Houston has become a rivalry. Obviously, that's not going to be as big this year. Uh, Nothing. This is huge. Um, You got two – you have three of the best five players in basketball in the rivalry. Paul George is right around that top ten player in the league. Uh, You've got them in the same building. You've got LeBron James recruiting Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi spurning him to go to the Clippers. You've got Jerry West, the former Laker great, on the court and in the front office, now building the Clippers. Um, Lou Williams, a former Laker, if you even want to go that deep. like This is as good as it gets for a current rivalry. And the teams are also so evenly matched. I mean, I picked the Lakers before the season kind of just hoping they'd win it because it'd be nice for, you know, a great way for LeBron to, 
you know, kind of cap his career, even though he's not retiring after this season. Right. And then after watching the first two matchups, I said, you know what? The Clippers are too good. I thought the Clippers were better, but I was just thinking LeBron might be heroic and get the Lakers to uh, be able to pull it out. And then um, he is heroic this weekend. And so we'll see. I mean, these teams, that, that game was nip and tuck all the way until the Lakers kind of pulled away at the end. And it was the same thing for the first or the second game on Christmas Day. The first one, if you want, you could throw it out because it was the first game of the season. But, um, yeah, this is if they meet, and, man, we hope they meet in the playoffs, it will be a a knockdown, drag out, I, I, six or seven game series. I would think seven. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great game to watch and enjoy for NBA fans to see them going at it. And just as you just talked about it, Kawhi and it brought something to my mind. Kawhi and LeBron are both trying to get a third championship on a third different team, which adds more um, excitement to this uh, rivalry, if you will. Right. No question about it. No question about it. Um, I I looked through the record books. I haven't seen a most valuable or most improved player be awarded to the same player in consecutive seasons. Can we see that this year in Pascal Siakam being awarded this award twice? Uh, it's possible, um, but I doubt it. Um, I, I haven't thought about that award yet, but I'm, I'm trying to think through my mind quickly about plus big jumps. Um who, but I who's had think, who's had the bigger a, a bigger jump than him in this? You know, obviously I one jump from last the previous year to last year, and then this year, last year to this year, who's had a bigger jump? Yeah, like I said, I'd have to think about it, uh, look through every team, and, and think about it. But I just think um, it's possible, but um, I I I'm not willing to go there and commit to that yet. I'm a voter, so I will be looking into it. Okay. I think Lonzo. I think Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, who became an All Star. I would Brandon. say both of them. I say both of them made bigger jumps. Okay. Um, All right. Brandon Ingram. I will take that one. Um, I think Luka, Luka Doncic. I mean, he's a darn MVP candidate. Well, that's so true. He made a bigger jump. Um, okay. Give me some time. I'm just thinking. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think there's there's stuff about the guys. Okay, you put you put me wrong. Now, um, you was around when Jordan retired. You was covering sports when Jordan retired, and there was kind of a law after his second retirement before he joined the Wizards, which obviously wasn't the same as his time with the Bulls. There was a lull in sports. I mean, the the ratings. I'm sure took a dip. I don't know what they were. I can't speak to that. But do you foresee that same dip when LeBron retires? Uh, no. First of all, I don't think – look, I think the NBA is more popular than ever. Okay. Um, and I think it's due – obviously, LeBron is the face of the league, but he is not like – like, Jordan was way above Bar- – as good as Barkley and Ewing and Carl Malone and Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, all those great stars – when it came to superstar power and celebrity, 
Jordan was head and shoulders above everybody else. And I, while LeBron is certainly the star of stars in the NBA, there are a lot of guys that get a lot of lot of pub and celebrity. Some of that might be social media. Yeah. Um, but I just think even without LeBron, and granted, it's going to be several years before he retires. Remember yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. But I, I just think that there are more other players, and so many of these great young players coming in, like, people want to watch Zion. I mean, that's not what I was getting at. you got other, you know, other great players that are not as good as LeBron, but several other players that carry the torch. So, yeah, yeah I really don't see that type of law in the NBA. You had great players after Jordan, too, of course, Shaq and Kobe and all that. But I just, I don't, I just think with social media, um, people are a lot more familiar with and into just so many more players. Great point, great point. I was just kind of tailing off the comments that he made uh, about a week ago about the league being in great health, and I just wanted to get your feedback in, on that. Um, I know our time is running short. A couple quick questions for you. Um, Burrow over Tua, I think I'm a Dolphin fan. I think the Dolphins should stay away from Tua. What's your thought? Well, look, I love Tua. And I, and I think they, if they can get him, they should take him because the hardest thing in this league to find is a franchise quarterback. And typically I'd hate to see Tua go into that situation, but I like what I saw from, from Brian Flores. Okay. So I think he's doing a good job down there in terms of that uh, building that culture and that team. So, no, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm definitely trying to get to it. You're ignoring the injury, the injury history. Yes, I am. Wow, wow. Okay. Your thoughts um, on Bomber buying the forum? No, that's great. And that just adds more to the rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it's great. Um, I, I When I'm in L.A., I stay very close to the forum. Um, so, no, I think it's uh, – I, I love it. And, and I think it'll be – look, the Clippers deserve their own arena. I was at the game Sunday with the Lakers, and even though it was a Clippers home game, it was a Lakers home game. You know what I mean? Like, it was about yeah, right, yeah. Lakers fans there. And so um, the Clippers deserve better than that. So I think they it's great that they're – not that he's going to put them in the form. Obviously, he's going to, you know, build near there as far as the stadium. But I, I think it's uh, – I still think it's great. Okay. Um, last couple questions for you. Uh, in in regards to boxing, Wilder Fury, are you buying this this controversy about the glove, the theory being dirty with the dirty taxes? Are you buying into that? About what was the second thing you said? About the glove, Fury's glove, and not uh, he punching more with his hands and not actually the glove. Yeah. Okay, I thought you I thought you added something else. Okay, um, you know I talked to someone who. Uh, is very prominent, has been very prominent in boxing. And they said every boxer is looking for an advantage. Um, and they said sometimes things like that happen. Um, they didn't fully dismiss it. And obviously oh, wow. Fury, Fury was a, you know, he came from a bare-knuckle boxing background. Sure. Um, but they said things like that happen. They said, look, um, 
when Buster Douglas, when Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, first of all, he caught, he, he really, that was a long count. So right. he may have actually won that fight. Right. And Douglas, Douglas was also supposed to give Tyson a rematch and didn't. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's all types of things that, you know, happen in boxing, quick stoppages, you know, bad, you know, decisions. I mean, how many times did Pacquiao lose a fight that he didn't lose, you know? I right. can think of two off the top of my head, Timothy Bradley and Joe Horn. So, right. um, I look, I'm personally not putting a lot of credence in it. I've seen the pictures like other people, but um, until some prominent people within boxing really make it a major issue, um, until I haven't even heard Wilder say anything about it. Maybe yeah. half, I haven't heard it or seen it. Yeah, I had I had neither. Um, so I'm not sure, sure that he would though, but. Well, I mean, heck, if he if he's making up, he's making up all types of excuses, <laughs> you know, about, about his freaking uniform. So, <laughs> right. I, I mean, and and that might be legitimate. Like, if if uh, it, if it was really happening, he he should say it if it really was happening. But I think I think that would um, make him look worse. I think that would make him look worse. If the uniform excuse made him look bad, I think that would even make him look worse. I'm looking forward well, to the, the trilogy. I think you have to know. You have to, if you make that claim, you better know for a fact. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, but, yeah, if you don't, if it's, if you can't prove it, then, yeah, you need to keep your mouth shut. But I don't know. I mean, that brings, does that add some, that certainly adds another element that make, might make you wonder if, uh, if Wilder can actually beat him. Because if that's not, if that wasn't an issue, if uh, the gloves weren't an issue, then I don't see Fury beating him. I mean, I don't see Wilder beating him because right. Wilder yeah, is not a good boxer. Right. And uh, all he's got is that right hand, and Fury can box. And Fury, I mean, Fury just destroyed him. He did. He did. And I'm, I'm hoping Wilder could go to the drawing board and come back better for the third fight. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, lastly, Chris, talk to me about the King movement. Talk to my fans about the King movement. And so we can spread this knowledge. I looked that up, man. It's pretty good work that you're doing. Let the people know something about the King Movement. Well, thank you for bringing it up. It's uh, The King Movement is a national Christian men's movement that I started um, really to build men up in their faith in Christ, uh, on, in their daily walks with Christ, so that we can live out our faith Monday through Saturday, not just on Sundays at church, um, so that we can become, you know, godly husbands, fathers, leaders, citizens, role models. Um, and so one of the ways, we do that in many ways through accountability, support, encouragement, teaching, but also just brotherhood. And uh, men that you can relate to in many ways, sports, culture, hip-hop, whatever it may be, but who also love the Lord. So we're all working together to support each other, to help brothers, you know, be men of God and um, – we're just trying to grow and, and help more men be the men that God's called us to be because if that if we are the men <clears throat> excuse me that God's called us to be, then I think we will see uh better families, better children, better marriages, and 
we will become, as African Americans, a stronger people. Uh, and it's not King is not just for African Americans, but uh, we'll be a stronger nation. So um, there's a societal benefit we bring as well um, as a spiritual. Where can people find more information on this, Chris? Uh, they can go to kingmovement.com, kingmovement.com. On Instagram, you can go to the King Movement, um, and then or at the King Movement, and um, then on Twitter, it's the King Movement as well. So yeah, we're all over social media. We um, we're having our national men's conference in Charlotte in a few weeks. Um, you know, assuming everything is okay uh, with with the national, you know, the, the situation with the coronavirus. We're looking into that right now as to whether we'll be able to continue it. But an announcement will be made shortly about that within the next few days. But, yeah, right now we have a national men's conference every year. Um, next year is in New York City. And so, um, but, yeah, people can check us out on the on the social media. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for tuning in, man. I appreciate it, big guy. Um, Thanks. Before – before I let you go, every week on my podcast we do this. Today's March 11th. When you think of the number 11, who wore it best, or who's the first player that comes to your mind? What what was was Isaiah Thomas number 11? Isaiah Thomas was number 11. Yeah, that's a yeah, great that's a great one. It's got to be him. I'm okay. not really all that in the numbers. I mean, I know the 23s, of course, and you know the 33 was Kareem, Magic was 32, but I'm not one that knows everybody's number, but yeah, Isaiah definitely comes to mind. Okay. And do you have something for number seventy nine? Uh I'm obviously thinking football. Uh Mean Joe Green was seventy five. The White White I think was seventy eight on that steel curtain. Uh Two Tall Jones, was he seventy nine? He was 72. 78, 72. Yeah. Uh, no. I'll, help you out. I'll help you out. Harvey Martin for the Oakland Raiders. He was right. 79. Uh, well, Jeff Bryant. When I think of Harvey Martin, I think of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, okay. There's, there's a little difference there. <laughs> there's a little difference there. I thought of the Raiders. But, all right, man, Chris, again, thank you for your time, big guy. I really appreciate it. Nice running into you last week. Uh, enjoy your day, and we'll be sure to follow up on the King Movement. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Peace. Once again, I want to shout out Fox Sports, Chris Broussard, for joining us on Voice of the Fans podcast. Thank you, Chris. Make sure you guys tune in to his radio show, The Odd Couple. And then also you can catch him on any of the Fox shows during the week, FS1 shows during the week. You can find him as the NBA analyst. Thank you again, Chris, for joining us. We did record prior to the NBA suspending their season along with the NCAA, along with the XFL, along with the MLS, Cleveland. This is much more than a overreaction now. This is real. We 
now that we have Rudy Gobert infected with the coronavirus, we have Donovan Mitchell also infected with the coronavirus, the NBA has little or no choice but to suspend the season. And then we saw see all the leagues that follow suit. What's your thoughts on this, man? This has been a um, a tragic kind of week for in sports, man. It's something unheard of. We've seen teams or leagues not play out their season due to work stoppage and labor relation issues, but nothing outside of that. Nothing. This sort of pandemic hasn't infected the country as this has. Your thoughts on this, Cleveland? Well, my thoughts on Cam is kind of how my mindset is kind of uh, fluctuated and evolved over you know, the course of the week, let's just say. Um, for example, on Saturday, I went to the uh, 3A state championship game uh, here in uh, the Seattle area. Um, there might have been 10,000 people there, let's just say. Um, the number one junior in the country, the number one prospect, uh, trying to win back-to-back state championships. I just wanted to see if he was as dominant as everyone had made him out to be. And, uh, you know, one of the perennial powerhouses uh, in this area, uh, Garfield Bulldogs, uh, that produced players like, you know, Brandon Roy and, you know, many others. Um so I was around a lot of people. I was I was feeling like it was um, the country and the world being a little bit paranoid about what was really going on. And then as things progressed in the next couple of days, it just got progressively worse and um, just kind of getting a little bit more educated on how the virus spreads and its origin and that kind of thing just definitely made me more... Um, skeptical and, you know, dare I say paranoid about, you know, kind of the ramifications of being in big crowds. And as I kind of saw things kind of start to um, take shape and, you know, our governor here in the state of Washington, Governor Inslee, said no gatherings of more than 250 people. And then, you know, you have NBA players that are getting uh, infected and, you know, you you realize how much contact they have with other players and um, just other people that are involved with their team, um, you know, media, for example, and just kind of the ripple effect that it could have if, if one of them was, you know, contagious. So, you know, I think everyone is doing the right thing by shutting it down. I know it's, a, you know, an inconvenient truth with regards to just kind of how this thing can go and uh, it's just better to be safe than sorry and how I feel at this point um, before I kind of was going back and forth between you know um, I feel stupid for being scared but then I feel stupid for not being scared if that makes sense but I was kind of erring on the side of like it's just you know these are very kind of you know random kind of occurrences and yeah, I don't think I don't think it's you're never, much it's never, gonna get, it's never gonna get to me. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of like the, you know, I feel stupid to be scared, but then you know, once you guys start to hear about like you know 
you know, where some famous chicks are getting in, it's like it doesn't happen, you know, the disease doesn't discriminate, and, you know, it's more apt to kind of, you know, spread around and, you know, be crowds. So it's like, okay. Yeah, I don't think you, you were, I don't think you were, I don't think you're much different than anybody else. Um, obviously, we we hear the news and we see it on TV. We hear a lot of people dying, especially over in Italy and over in China. We see it's really impacting people, but until it impacts somebody you know or yourself, you really feel untouchable isn't quite the word we want to use, but you feel it's not going to get to you. And that's that's a fair that's a fair side. That's how I felt as well. Um, I kind of wonder was wondering if it was an overreaction. Actually, when the when the NBA said there's going to be no more media in the locker rooms, which oddly enough we kind of had this conversation. You talking about going back to last weekend being at the Tacoma Dome? Well, I was at the. Lakers versus Clippers game on Sunday before we knew about the outbreak, but before the NBA decided that they're going to have a six to eight feet barrier from the media to the players in the locker room doing an interview, you know, it doesn't even make sense to talk to LeBron um, because you have to wait, miss the fourth, miss the fourth quarter of the game to get in line to get even close enough to him to get your microphone close to him, get your camera close to him. It, it didn't even make sense. But I was able to get Avery Bradley. I was able to interview Kyle Kuzma. And I was, as I was interviewing Kyle Kuzma, I just happened to be kind of right in the front row there. I have – there's a line of people, three or four people deep actually behind me trying to stick their microphones and stick their camera over my shoulder to get to Kuzma. And I literally feel people breathing down my neck. And it was, it was just an uncomfortable feeling because I feel them breathing over me. I'm trying to take a breath. So obviously, I'm taking their breath in because they're breathing right over my shoulder. It was kind of a weird feeling. And as I say, that was just Kyle, talking to Kyle Kuzma. It's about three to four people deep. LeBron is about six or seven people deep. And so you could imagine the scrum of what it is, 40 to 50 people trying to interview LeBron. That room gets hot. It gets steamy. The players are taking the showers. They're hot showers, so you got the steam in the room and all this uh, hot breath going on in the locker room. And we thought, like, why don't the players come to the podium? Like, he should come to the podium. But when he comes to the podium, and I'll say this, as far as the NBA, and this was my concern, the NBA taking away the locker locker room access from the media, was there's relationships that get developed by just being in the room. And there's by developing these relationships, you get a, a much better story from the players because they open up to you. You're in there, you develop this relationship, they, they see you more than once a week, and you're able to kind of genuinely develop a little, you're not friends, don't get me wrong, but you're more coworkers and you, you, you talk a little bit more once you know the person a little bit better, right? And that relationship able to develop a little more, and I'll tell you a story, a really quick story, was 
Reggie Jackson as he joined the team. Reading his bio at the, on the little pamphlet that the, the team hands out, I recognized that he was. It said he was from Italy, and I couldn't pronounce the actual city in Italy, so I just walked up to him and camera down, microphone down, is like, hey man, are you actually from Italy? Did you were you born there? Did you grow up there? Because that was something I didn't know. I'm a basketball fan. I'm a fan of Reggie Jackson when he went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, got drafted by them. I was a I was a fan of his. And he's like, no nah, man, my dad was in the military and you know, I'm kind of a military brat, so we moved all around, but I was born in Italy. And so then that just spurred the conversation. Okay, so you lived in multiple places. Right? What was your favorite place to live? He lived a lot of places in the country. I live a lot of places. So I just kind of <coughs> excuse me, wanted to talk to him on that level. <clears throat> but, again, this was just because I see him chilling in the locker room pregame and able to have this conversation with him. And then at postgame, I had go in there and we – continue the conversation and I asked him about his team, his development within the team. And he's like, man, come on. So I come off a pick, I come off a pick from Montrez Harrell. And I got Paul George on what I can even pass to Paul George or I can pass to Kawhi Leonard. My game's easy. And then if they want to double them guys, I can just get to the hole so, so easily. And, you know, he said it was such, not in a braggadocious way, but he was, you can see a genuine, modesty there that he was genuinely having fun and then he talked about the fun that he's having as he joins the team etc cetera, etc cetera. so these are relations these are stories and that you're able to develop in relationships that you're able, able to develop by just being in the locker room now when the players go to the podium it's a much different feel you know it's a more teacher in the classroom situation where they're on a they're on a podium sitting behind a table and then there's you know, 15, 20, sometimes 30 media members sitting in a row of chairs behind them with cameras pointed at them. It's going to be a lot more candid. You know, he's talking to 30 people versus one person. So he's not going to be as candid. Uh, he, he's not. It's a lot more impersonal, if you will. So that's what that was my initial concern. And I want to see how that played out when they said no more media in the locker room. However, these guys go to a couple of days later, they go to full suspension of the league once we hear about the players being infected with the coronavirus, which, you know, obviously bless them and hope they're healthy and all this. But we're just as a sports, looking at it from a sports angle, this is wild, man. This is uh, unheard of, as we mentioned. The, the suspension is indefinite for the NBA. The NCAA completely suspends or postpones their tournament. That when have when has there not been an NCAA tournament? When have you not filled out a pool for your at your job for the tournament? You know, you get the secretaries oftentimes fills out pools on their job and not knowing anything about the sports, right? So. This thing is taking on a whole new life of its own. As as you mentioned, the city of Seattle 
is banning gatherings of 250 or more, just like the city of San Francisco is doing the same. The thought was, I mean, you can elaborate on this. The thought was that they're going to, should they stay in Arizona? Should they play their games down in Arizona until this kind of outbreak subsides? And should San Francisco, Arizona, uh, the Bay Area teams, Oakland do the same thing? That was my understanding. You, You care to elaborate on that? Well, my understanding was that it was just to be preemptive with regards to causing the spread of the coronavirus. Um, that, you know, have you ever seen the, and maybe I'm wrong, but when I think of the coronavirus with regards to how people talk about it, I always, I shouldn't say always, I had been thinking of the movie Fallen. Have you ever seen the movie Fallen, Kim? Yeah, it's not a movie falling, yeah. And so it's this thing where, like, the uh, demon was trying to follow Denzel Washington. But it was just like he would just touch one person and then touch the person in front of him and then touch the person in front of him and then touch the person in front of him. And just, like, that's how it migrated its way through. And so the way they make it sound... I don't know if this is, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, but it's just if you come in contact with it, that you're almost automatically going to get it, which is which sounds crazy. Because it's, it's older people are more susceptible to it than younger people. Younger people can, like, you know, fight this thing off. Older people, it, like, takes them out. Well, so I that's think... The, that's the but the whole thing was that if you're eliminating those large gathering of people, you're cutting down the opportunity for it to spread significantly, like like way significantly. Like I saw something happen on TV, like if we were just going to just, you know, continue the way, this in Seattle, the way that we had just been operating as if nothing was going on, there would be 60,000 cases by May. If we take precautions at like a fifty percent level, there might be like five. If we take precautions like at a super serious level, we're keeping it pretty much on par. Well, up yeah. here, up here, you know, the schools are shut down till uh, the end of April in the three largest counties in uh, in the area. So we're talking about, like, you know, millions of kids that can't go to school. It's kind of weird. To the end of April? To the end of April, yes. So for, uh, for, those, for those of you that are familiar with the area, King County, Pierce County, Snohomish County, no school to the end of April. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's pretty that's – pretty, um... Well, Seattle's one of the places that's hit most, the hardest here in the country. So I guess that's that's part of that uh, get paid a lot of attention so they can pare this down and kind of control this much better. And that and, and, and that makes sense. Um, if you think about it, you if you think about how many people Rudy Gobert comes in contact just on a natural day-to-day basis, um, from 
when he gets to the gym, on his way to the gym, I mean, if he stops by and gets some coffee or whatever, he might see five or two people, uh, five to ten people take a couple pictures at Starbucks if he does that. When he gets to the gym, the security guards probably daps him up, you know, just on a typical basis. The security guards, the trainers, the team, the ball boys, you know, again, everybody's touching the ball, so that ball's being spread around to how many different people. The ball boys are, they got five or six different balls that they're playing with, so each ball's being affected. Each of the ball boys, the seven or eight ball boys that's out there is being impacted. His teammates, obviously, the 10 to 12 teammates that's on the team, his trainers, the three or four trainers that he's in, in, uh, talking to. Then he goes home. If he comes back to the stadium, if he goes home, or then when he comes back to the stadium again, stop and get some coffee, take a couple pictures, slap some hands with the fans. You know, so where are we at now? We're probably 60 or 70 people, right? The reporters come over, two or three different reporters. Everybody who probably has about 10 to 10 to 15 people that they're communicating with outside of Rudy Gobert. Um, then there's game time, the, the players, his teammates again, the opposing team again, so that we're adding more people, the referees. Again, a new ball situation. Again, post-game interviews with the reporters, taking pictures post-game with uh, with some fans, slapping some fans. So we're looking at 200 people probably that he has come in contact to, 250 people that he's come in contact with just on an everyday basis. Um, and that's one person. That's one player. So you have 250 for Rudy Gobert. You have another 250 for Donovan Mitchell. And just say – some, those are two of the stars. Let's say everybody else on the team is in, uh, encountering 200 people. That's a lot of people. And so that's a lot of people to be infected, right? And then those same 200 people go out and infect or touch and pass on these, these drums, if you will, to the 10 to 15 people apiece. That's wild. You can see how this can spread pretty quickly, right? So being mindful, this is. I was thinking this was just a precautionary reason that they that they're going to halt um, that they make the media stand away from the players. But now that they we got people affected, they had little or no choice but to suspend the postpone the season, suspend the season for the next six to eight weeks to kind of see how things if we can get a hold of it, if they can let players in again. You know, it's a, it's a wild thing. It's unknown, man. It's unknown. It's crazy. But uh, appreciate your feedback, Cleveland. Let's uh, get away from this. And we're going to try to talk about some NFL topics. We'll, we'll touch on some more NBA uh, topics here later. But let's move on. Let's take a break here. Let's talk about some NFL topics. And uh, we'll get back to the coronavirus and how it impacts sports here shortly. Uh, the people at What's Good the Sports want to want to talk to you, talk to the fans, and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the what, What's Good the Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the What's Good What's Good the Sports dot com website. 
related to the coronavirus, we have the NFL and the CBA, which is creating its own set of controversies between players, the have and the have-nots within the NFL. The owners most recently put a threat down to the players. Like, they hope that the initial agreement doesn't pass, so then they can add on the 18th game and then try to get some more money from the players. Um, I think it should be a 50-50, but the players were bought into the 48.5. Kind of leads me to wonder if we're going to see a work stoppage here by the time the NFL comes around, providing, obviously, that the coronavirus doesn't impact go into the summertime. It doesn't impact the NFL. What's your thoughts on the on the NFL and the CBA agreement there? Do you think 18 games is too much, or what's your thoughts on 18 games? Well, I definitely think that 18 games is uh, too many NFL games we played in the season. Um, And the reason that the NFL owners want that is is purely greed, Um, nothing more. Um, I think that it's about a 50-50 chance that there's a work stoppage because I think there's about a 50-50 chance that the current CBA passes. The current CBA doesn't pass. Much greater chance for, I mean, obviously that's kind of oxymoron, but a much greater chance for a work stoppage, right? But the current CBA, in my opinion, doesn't have enough of health benefits for players after their their career is over. Uh, I think they kind of missed the ball with that. I think they were being a little bit short-sighted. But, again, it's easy for me to say uh, when I'm not the one risking my body and the average career lasts three years. So if you can get significant more money from the last time the collective bargaining agreement came out, you know, I could see how players would want to kind of gravitate towards that. But at the same time, you know, long-term kind of your leverage do you have any? How can you use it? Players have always, in the NFL, always had that issue, like no other sport. So um, we'll see how they vote. But if they don't don't pass it through, I think there's going to be a work stoppage. But I think there's a pretty good chance they pass it through. You speak of long-term health care. Do you think lifetime health care should be an option for the players? I think at a certain level of service, absolutely. I think anybody that's played in the league for 10 years, absolutely. I would probably say more like seven years. But I think, I mean, because, again, the average span of an NFL career is only like three years, right, three and a half years, right? Yeah, yeah, understand. The more we get, the less people that you include in it, and what probably once you get to ten years is probably something like, you know, ten percent of the people that play. I think it's probably more like seven years, just giving your body just the way it breaks down. I think that's fair. I think maybe a deferred health plan. Um, maybe they play with get the health plan for the for the team that they played the longest with for five years after their career. And then for the next fifteen years the NFL you know, they, the player, I think, they, who make an exorbitant amount of money should kind of take their 0.5% of their salaries and have to pay their dues, if you will, to these players who have played 
to seven to ten years longer. But I think maybe after that five to fifteen years, they should probably have the league should probably take care of them. Not necessarily the team, but the league should take care of them from that five to a fifteen year mark. Because now that's twenty years of of medical that you get. And I'm sorry if you're not kind of you made a lot of money at some point. Now you should be able to put your money in the IRA, kind of make it double itself up, and then kind of take care of your own medical at some point. But you'll get some medical payment for twenty years after you're in the league. Um, I don't think. I think lifetime healthcare is a stretch, and I understand why you want it. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's kind of a stretch to to require and to ask for. But um, if they did something like that, where the team takes care of you for your the first five years, and then the the team you played the longest with, and then get the league take care of you with the uh, fifteen years after that, so you do get about twenty years of good healthcare. I think that's a that would be a pretty good. Um, benefit that the players will get. But I think they should, I think they deserve as much money. Obviously the owners put in, you know, they're the one kind of taking a risk, but there's really no risk because the NFL money just keeps doubling and (laughs) keeps growing and growing and growing. Not one year in the past 20 years have their investment decreased. So they are taking a risk in the sense that it's their money that they're paying out. However, they haven't, there's no risk because, once they got that money, they're they're not losing any money. The NFL has not taken a loss, so there there's no risk in that in that respect. So that would be their that would be their argument. So I I think they should probably be fifty fifty. The players are the ones out there, you know, taking the beating, um, working the hardest, and and you know, committing themselves to actually making the league great. Um, the owners are kind of investors. So kudos to them for that situation. Um, speaking of investing, it it was just reported that the Dallas Cowboys offered Dak 105 million guaranteed, right around 33.5 million dollars per season. Was that wiser? Wise of Dak to reject that? Your thoughts on that? Um, kudos to Dak Prescott for having a lot of confidence in himself um, and feeling like given the opportunity, he can show what he's worth um, because his contract is very fair. It's it's higher end. It's in that same stratosphere with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Dak Prescott is in the same uh, physical capabilities with either one of those two players as a quarterback. Um, I think he is a glorified game manager. So I think that's about as much as you can kind of expect. Um, but if you think that your your capabilities are are higher than that, then, you know, you think that your value is more. But I'm not saying that, man. If you don't sign that one, it's like you're just waiting around to be, you know, one of those top five guys. I don't think you're in that that category. Well, where it may not be in that category, and I agree with you there, it's kind of his turn turn up to bat, if you will. 
a couple things there. And if they but were it's, to his, print, it's, it's his turn. It's his turn up to bat with um, very inferior numbers. You just—it's all projection. It's all you know, future bets, really. Well, again, it's his turn up to bat. His competition. One player went to the Super Bowl. If, if you just want to compare him with his his class. One guy went to the Super Bowl but hasn't done much before or since, who's making $100 million. The other guy in the same division had a heck of a season, MVP-type season, but got hurt and has done much before or since. And he's at $103 million, Carson Winscott, guaranteed. So he should be in that class of – he should be somewhere in that. I agree, I agree with you um, on the surface. I don't think he he is a, as talented as Carson Wentz. I think he's better. He's about where golf is, but and so golf got his, got a hundred to five million dollars. I think golf got a hundred million dollars actually. So that he's right in between there, if you will. However, with the CBA, um, golf signed his money. A couple of years ago, as we just talked about, the NFL is making more money than they did a couple of years ago. They got the new CBA where the owners are going to be making more money. We're talking about the sports betting that's going to be coming across the wire here pretty soon. TV money is increasing. So the NFL always increases, right? So that kind of puts Dak in that position to where he rightfully – I can't say he rightfully deserves the money, but he has a good argument for getting paid that much money. Even more of an argument on Dak's side. Again, I'm not a Dak fan, so I'm just speaking on how where it makes sense for Dak. Is if they franchise him, they got to franchise him. It's going to be right at that 33 number. So he's kind of he's kind of slaughtered for that anyway. Even if they chose to franchise him, and so why not? Say I'm gonna pay me my full salary, <clears throat> which would probably be around thirty five, thirty six, somewhere in there. Forty million dollars, I think, is a bit excessive. But if they want to keep him, you know, he's played four years and hasn't made eight million dollars, so it's time it's time for his payday. Um, that's where I, that's where I think the uh, that. Prescott is, and why they're going to end up paying them a little bit more than that thirty-three million dollars, and it ultimately will be a good decision for Dak to hold out for a little bit, a few more dollars. Cleveland, let's take a break here. We're going to come back and talk about this week in history, and then get back to some NBA topics. Mr. Cleveland, you want to talk to the people about Euphoria the brand and uh, your spring spring launch? Would love to talk about Euphoria the brand. My brand, Euphoria the brand, offers sophisticated stylists without compromising individual expression. In addition, Euphoria has also launched a female line called Me, which caters to women who have an independent spirit like the color outside the lines. Can be 
uh, next couple of months, we're going to come out with a few other uh, additions to the formula and the wee line that definitely accentuate the expression and the individuality of the individual. At the same time, bring unity at a time when things are a little bit out of hand. All right, Cleveland, we got this week in history, 1979, Benjamin Banneker, along with L. Infant, began to lay out Washington, what is known as Washington, D.C., the architects of the city of our capital. In 1913, the engineer of the Underground Railroad, Ms. Harriet Tubman, took her last breath back in this week in 1913. In 1997, out here in Los Angeles, the notorious B.I.G. was shot mysteriously. Have they figured out who shot notorious B.I.G.? Has that been, has that case been solved yet? That has not been resolved, Ken. Still a mystery. Still a mystery. Uh, is it a mystery where you were the day you heard about Notorious B.I.G.? Quite possibly one of the best rappers to do it. Where you were when you heard the heard of his death? Yeah, man, I was on my way to a club called Sharky's uh, here in the Seattle area. Man, it was tragic. Yeah, tragic, tragic it was. Um, Cleveland, a couple of NBA topics that we must touch on. Did you did you notice the cookout? Could you smell the ribs and the barbecue that was being cooked out at Staples Center over the weekend when Milwaukee came to town? <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, Cam. The, the home cooking that went on at Staples Center when Milwaukee played the Los Angeles Lakers. You couldn't smell the barbecue, the hot dogs, or macaroni and cheese. You couldn't smell any of that, huh? Sorry, no. Okay, well, what, what about on Sunday when they played the Los Angeles Clippers? Some of the home cooking that they were getting from even being on enemy turf, if you will, all being in the same stadium, some of the home cooking that the refs were providing the Los Angeles Lakers and protecting them. You 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 didn't see any of that, huh? Well, technically that's an away game, Cam, uh, with yeah. the Los Angeles Clippers fans having uh, priority for those seats. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, maybe it'd be a shame if, this, if we don't get to see the finish of this stadium excuse me, the finish of this season as this, that game, we can take seven games of that competition with the Lakers and the Clippers, man. It was high, highly contested all the way through. LeBron went at late in that second half. He went at Lou Williams every which way he could to get the screens and get the advantage on Lou to kind of close that game out. Now, I would really – I wish there were – again, I wish we could see this game for sure because I would like to see the adjustments that Doc Rivers would make in that situation. Do you see more 
Reggie Jackson playing? Do you see more Pat Beverly playing late in the fourth quarter? Do you see Paul George and or Kawhi Leonard locking LeBron up late in that fourth quarter and just sticking with him and, and not trying to go over and under? I'd like to see those adjustments made, man. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm surprised he left uh, Lou Williams out there on an island the way that you have. I mean, you know, he, he did his best to try and tee up against, you know, one of the top five players in the history of NBA basketball. I mean, you know, he did what he could. Um, he's bought into the, you know, Doc Rivers system. Um, you know, everybody you know, pays attention in defense. So to leave him out there like he just, you know, was abandoned, that's 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 terrible. Maybe he shouldn't have enough help for who he was trying to guard. <laughs> I like to do him. <laughs> well, he was doing the switches, man. LeBron was calling for the switches and, and just, again, made that uh, and and put Lou Williams on the island as he did. That's that's what was happening there. Um, also, last night before the games were suspended, we just may have seen the last of Sergeant Vince, half man, half amazing Carter. He was able to come to the game, get him a three-pointer up, and, and hit his last bucket as the Atlanta Hawks played last night. But do you think we've seen the last of Vince Carter? Because he's already agreed to or said he would retire after the season. If the season doesn't come back, we may not you know, see him. They're not going to make the playoffs, even if they were to come back and just say, okay, we're going to play the playoffs. We wouldn't see Vince Carter. Tell the fans what the best memory of Vince Carter was. Without question, the best uh, memory of Vince Carter is the slam dunk competition where he uh, kind of revolutionized what your level of expectation was for a superior slam dunk. I mean, that, that that's kind of his calling card, I would say. With the, the answer to your question is, yes, he'll be back next season. You think he'll be back next season? Oh, for sure, man. If they, if, if they don't play any more games or they decide that uh, – you know, playoffs is kind of start from where the standings are right now. So sorry, you know, but that's how things are. You know, those teams that we're trying to fight, you know, and get their way into it, we just don't have enough time for all that, man. You know, the, the schedule's been accelerated a little bit. I mean, that gives, uh, yeah, that gives Vince an extra what? You know, 30 games off. Yeah, no, we will be back next year. Well, I think he's already – Announced that he's going to retire. This will be his last season. But hey, that was a full season. No, that was that was actually was a full season. It's not a full season. He's got okay. he's got a little bit left to pay. Okay, okay. I mean, the league needs more veterans, so that wouldn't be a bad thing. But my favorite, my memory of Vince Carter, would be when he left the team in the playoffs. I think it was the Toronto Raptors to go back to North Carolina and get his to graduate to get his degree. As controversial as the situation as that was, I thought that would be that would be my last memory of Vince Carter. And I think if I want if I remember correctly, they were playing Toronto was playing the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, and instead of playing 
the game six. It wasn't the final game of the of, of the um, series. It was the next to the final game of the series. But instead of playing that game, he decided to go back to North Carolina and get his and walk and get his degree. I thought that was odd that they could have probably sent the degree to him, or they could have said Vince. Uh, Vince could have called down there and said, instead of having it on Saturday, let's have the uh, ceremony on Sunday. I'll pay for the ceremony. I'll pay for everything to move over to Sunday. Um, I don't know why that wasn't done, but that'll be my lasting memory of Vince Carter. Do you recall that situation? I absolutely do, Cam. And, wow, I just wasn't uh, – man, kudos to you for being brave enough to bring that up. That is by far – the biggest thing that you remember about Vince Carter, I was just trying to, like, sugarcoat it. Wow, that was the craziest thing ever. And, yes, it was a game seven. And what are you doing? You're a professional athlete, man. <laughs> like you're saying, they can mail that to you. Why are you risking anything that could possibly happen? Anything on the plane? Any type of delay? This is like, a, like, what are you talking about? You're a franchise player. Yeah, he was a franchise player. player. I'm not sure. And he's the conference final. It's like, could he punish your mom? Like, oh, come on, man. Are I'm you serious? Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, was the most, it was the most immature, irresponsible thing that I've ever seen in the NBA <laughs> basketball. I'm not I sure it was going to go there. I was going to go with the, with the dunk, man. Like, he's a dunker, man. But no, but that was, that's but that the was most really... immature, irresponsible thing I've ever seen from an NBA player. Because just look at all the things that could go wrong in doing that. And what and what are you benefiting from this? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't when I I remember the situation. I don't think it was a game seven though, was it? Are you sure it was a game seven? I thought it was a game I'm pretty sure it was a game seven, man. Really. I thought it was a game six. It might have been game six or five. It was a game before they were eliminated. It was an elimination game, however you want to call it, man. For real. Um but I mean, I, like he could have moved it. I'd make a phone call, move the whole ceremony up a day, back a day, so you can play the game. Like that—that's what I mean. He was clearly North Carolina was gonna ride with him. Clearly, he had the uh, resources to kind of move the event. So I just like, man, you can you could adjust it either way you want to. Why do you just say, okay, I'm gonna go with it on this day? Like, and you and it's a playoff game. That's the craziest thing is a playoff game. Like, come on. So that would be my lasting memory of Vince Carter. The dunks was too easy. Obviously, he's a great dunker. Um, but just that was my lasting memory of, of Vince Carter. Cleveland, heard the wildest debate two days in a row. The wildest debate two days in a row. Having to do with the Tennessee Titans. Do you want Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback? Or do you want Tom Brady as your quarterback? This is the wildest thing. This is the wildest debate. And I'm like, how is this a conversation? I'm like, how is this? How are people debating this? Who are are these people debating this? How does this come up? Um, and I just had to get your your thoughts and your opinion. I'm, I'm sure you understand where I would go on this, but I just wanted your your thoughts and opinion on the validity of this debate. Ryan Tannehill, would you want Ryan Tannehill or would you want Tom Brady? And your thoughts on this situation? 
Well, I know you were a little bit scarred with regards to uh, how Ryan Tannehill was able to flourish after he left the 305, was never really able to produce the, the way that he had produced in Tennessee uh, in Miami. So there's a little bit, you know, the scratching of your head, like, wow, why couldn't you have been that when you were in Miami? Why did you have to go to Tennessee and, and be that over there? And then you know, embarrass us over here in, in Miami. So, like, so uh, first and foremost, let's, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> now, the, the, real, the heart of the matter, it all comes down to Derrick Henry. If you have Derrick Henry, then eh, Tom Brady is the guy you want. If you don't have Derrick Henry, then eh, Ryan Tannehill is the guy you want. Come on, man. In no circumstances. Certain- if I have Cleveland Steel in my backfield, I want Tom Brady over Ryan Tannehill. It's a, it's, uh, it's no, you, no, you do not. No, 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 you do not. If you don't have a consistent, established running game, have you seen the Tennessee Titans receivers? Name me, name me one off the top of your head. You have five oh, seconds. Oh, Brown. I have, they have Brown. They have Sharp. They have a couple of receivers who hasn't who have an emergency. The players you named don't even have first names. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Number eighty one. <laughs> Number eighty one. Keep still the That's a that's a cool one. Come on, man. That's it. Man, man, I'm not a you, Sharp. Washington. <laughs> you know you know, you know. you know I'm not a fan of Tom Brady and I'm even a less fan of Ryan Tannehill, I'm not even sure how this is a debate. I'm not even clear how this is a debate, and I think we spent too much time on this corny debate right there. But you, the man, again, with you, you, me, uh, your wife in the backfield, we go Tom Brady all day. Cleveland, as we discussed throughout the show, man, this is a, a really tough part of the sports year. Uh, we had Kobe Bryant just about six weeks ago with his untimely passing. The NBA suspends suspends their game indefinitely. MLB is po- postponing their games. Major League Soccer is postponing their games. NCAA, there's no tournament this year as of now. XFL is also suspending their games, so there's no LA-Seattle matchup this weekend. It's just a wild weekend of sports fans. But please take care of yourself. Wash your hands. Cover your mouth. Get your wipes. Wipe down your, your stand wheel. Wipe down your desktop. Wipe down your laptops, your computers, your keyboards. Stay healthy, fans, because we want to talk to you guys next week. We need you tuning in next week. I'm going to leave you with this quote from the late, great Kobe Bryant. The important thing is that your teammates have to know you're pulling for them and you really want them to be successful. Kobe Bryant on teamwork. The important thing is that your teammates have to know that you're pulling for them and you really want them to be successful. Again, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Laker legend. Thank you, fans, for tuning in. Be sure to rate and review our show. As always, thank you for making time. Excuse me. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to rate and review our show. And as always, 
thank you for making our voice your choice. Thanks, Cleveland. Well, I'll talk soon. Thanks. Hey, it's Peter Rosenberg. I'm hanging on my man Cameron Buford right here. I just want to say thank you for making our voice your choice.